Um, we're going to read Psalms 119, uh, 153 through 160. Look on my suffering and deliver me, for I have not forgotten your law. Defend my cause and redeem me. Preserve my life according to your promise. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek out your decrees. Your compassion, Lord, is great. Preserve my life according to your laws. Many are the foes who persecute me, but I have not turned from your statutes. I look on the faithless with loathing, for they do not obey your word. See how I love your precepts. Preserve my life, Lord, and according with your love. All your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal and forever. Let's go ahead and uh, read the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever.
While they were eating, Jesus took bread. He gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. That is a very important part of communion. It's often read for communion because of its importance. Often we forget that thankfulness is important. We teach our children to say thank you, a social grace not always mastered. Once in a story about a soldier facing artillery bombardment said, For what we are about to receive, O Lord, may we truly be thankful. I don't know if I would be that thankful then. We have come through a lot in the last two weeks, and I am thankful for quite a few things. We survived. We have been able to meet and help many people, and many people have helped us. Why do you think Jesus gave thanks at his last meal with his disciples in his final circumstances? He knew he was going to the cross, yet in the agony and death to follow, he gave thanks. An excellent example. Today, when you eat the bread and drink the cup, give thanks for what the Lord has done. Jesus came to us as a sacrifice and gave thanks that the mission was ending. He gave thanks on behalf of us. A greater reason for us to give thanks is our salvation. Without Jesus, there would be no salvation. Surely giving thanks is the least we can do. Father, we thank you so much for all the sacrifice that you have done. Bless this bread and bless this cup, for we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
And now is the time in the service for announcements. We collect empty pill bottles um, and give them to Matthew 25 Ministries. And so if you have any empty pill bottles, they don't have to have the lids. They can be prescription or over the counter. Bring them in and we'll give them to Matthew 25 and they use them here locally and beyond. We also collect used ink cartridges. They help reduce any office supplies um, costs that we have here for the church. Food pantry closed closet is every Thursday from 5 to 7. Um, anyone who has donations can drop them off the same day or bring them on Sunday when you come to church. Um, there are a few um, frequently items, frequently needed items that I've listed there in case you're interested in buying some things, um, but it's not necessary. Refit Revolution, free dance fitness class on Tuesdays and Thursdays, 6.30 to 7.30. takes place right here in the sanctuary. You don't have to be a member to come. Anyone's welcome. It is no longer um, strict, restricted to ladies. We are now offering it to the husbands or men to come also. Somebody liked it. <laughs> um, Mellon Ridge Nursing Home Church Ministry is the fourth Sunday of the month. Um, it will be next Sunday, July 24th at 2 o'clock. If you're interested in joining us for that, you can sign up at the welcome table. We uh, have our normal church service, then we have lunch together and fellowship, and then we go over and have a nice service with them. Tithes and offerings can be given in person in the offering box in the back of the sanctuary, and uh, we also have online giving. Weekly budget is listed there. Ministries that you support through any giving here at Heartland are listed here. There's also a flyer in the back that lists all this information also. Financial Peace University classes started last week. Don't feel like you can't come still if you want to sign up. It is a nine-week course, um, and it's on Mondays at 6.30 here in the sanctuary. HCC Weekly Community Cookout. So we decided um, that we were going to have a cookout to go out and meet the community. So every Saturday that we started, first week of July, uh, we've been going um, in the community and having a cookout. from. It lasts like two to four and the month of July, we've dedicated to Lakeshore Estates. Um, in August, we'll be switching over to Fay Gardens. Goshen Ready Fest 2022. So this is where we have like 14 churches and Christian organizations coming together to put free backpacks, free school supplies, free face painting, free haircuts, free food, and free music. Um, especially at a time right now, I think it's a good thing to have our community come together. So Heartland is collecting colored pencils and zipper pencil pouches. No boxes, please. Um, but every church is responsible for a few items. We get together. We pray together. It's a great time to see all these churches coming together um, in the name of Jesus and just having some time with the community. At this time, we are going to take any kiddos that want to go downstairs to Children's Church or the nursery, and I uh, hope you have a great day. So can I get a show of hands? How many people are experts in influence and changing people's perception? Man, not a lot of hands. Okay. Well, let me change the service now. Now, uh, do you realize that the government is paying teachers not only to teach but they're also influence your children. Did you know corporations hire experts to influence people? Did you know some of your social media is even using artificial intelligence to influence you and me? Companies like Google and Facebook record all kinds of data 
including how long you hover over a news story and what kind of things get our attention. The influence of college and schools is greater than it has ever been. Different nations are using media to influence world order, including the United States. I think if you look how the world has changed, you can say a lot of these influences have been effective. Some for the good and some for the bad. But I want to bring the thought of bad influence to our attention because I don't want you or I to get burnt. Do you understand that there are dark, invisible forces trying to influence you to make bad decisions? Our struggle is not against earthly people, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Do you know that the root of evil in this world didn't originate from a human being, but a dark spiritual being? I want to tell you, one of the most dangerous things is to think, I can't be influenced. Even though I have been a Christian for about 22 years, I still can't let my guard down. It's gotten so bad that even in church and on Christian radio stations, there are dangerous teachings and misinformation. I also want to tell you this. There is hope found in the words of Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit. I will get to those verses here shortly. Um, but I just kind of want to backtrack. Um, as I've came up here lately, I've been preaching through the armor of God in the different armors. These armors are used to protect our hearts and our minds from spiritual warfare. We will be concluding, ah, concluding, hold on, my tongue's sticking. <laughs> that happens when I get to two to three syllable words sometimes. We will be concluding that series today with what I would call a cheat code. Through what I am about to read, we can have endless armor against those dark forces, and it doesn't cost us a thing. This is an unfair weapon against the enemy. This weapon is prayer. I will start out with our main verse in Ephesians six seventeen through 20. When you get there, please stand for the reading of God's word. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. You may be seated. So what is praying in the Spirit? Well, the first thing you need before praying in the Spirit is the Holy Spirit. If you have never received the Holy Spirit, then you can't pray in something that you haven't received. 
So this is found in John 3, 5 through 8. Jesus answered, Verily, or very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So is it with everyone born of the Spirit. You can't get in the Spirit if you've never received the Spirit through being born again. So back to Ephesians 6, our main verse. The letter is to an Ephesians church who has already, as a whole, has already received the Spirit, as it has told us in chapter 1 of Ephesians. So what is praying in the Spirit? So it's a combination of two things. First, praying, and two, being in the Spirit. Paul is a complicated guy, as Peter talks about in another place in the Bible. So this is going to require us to go outside of this book in the Bible, somewhere else where Paul wrote, to give us more understanding. Just so you know, if you've never read this portion of the Bible, Paul uses the word flesh. This describes natural desire that is against God's will for our lives. We can gain understanding in Romans 8, 6 through 8. And it reads, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is, not, is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's laws, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Did you catch that last verse? Those who are in the realm of the flesh. If you are not in the realm of the flesh, you are in the realm of the spirit. Which you are in the spirit, or when you are in the spirit, or in the realm of the spirit... Your mind is governed by the Spirit. When we pray, we pray with a mind that is governed or conditioned to think heavenly things from a heavenly realm. Not praying selfish prayers, instead godly prayers. Our mind should be conditioned by the Word of God. Jesus gave us something to help govern our minds in the Spirit. He gave us his teachings and his commands. And we can find this in John 6, 63. Didn't want to say 666. The spirit gives life and the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. If you want to be full of God's amazing spirit and fill your hearts you should fill your hearts and minds with his words. You should eat it up like it's a buffet and then see what happens in your life. So maybe it's confusing to think, huh, how do I know if my mind is governed by the spirit or the flesh? So what does a mind governed by the flesh look like? And what does a mind governed by the spirit look like? You can find this in Galatians 5, 16 through 26. So I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not be conceited, provoking, and envying each other. So if we want to pray in the Spirit, we need to be in the Spirit while we pray. And as the scripture just said, we need to walk in the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit. So that means I have to walk and there is some effort on my part. There are no Amber Alerts, so God isn't going to kidnap his children. When we are given the Spirit, we still have the choice to walk in it. We also have the choice to reject the Spirit and go back to walking in the flesh. If we are walking in the flesh, this verse says that it is contrary to the Spirit, which means we are no longer in the Spirit, we are in the flesh. And if we are in the flesh, we need to turn around and get back in step with the Spirit so that we can pray in the Spirit. God is a loving God who is very forgiving and wants us to come back to walking in the Spirit and wants us to go back if we have ever walked away. Every time we are walking in the Spirit, we are walking in God's perfect plan. We never want to be walking opposite to His plan because that will only cause problems. The scripture we just read also mentions the wonderful things that come from walking in the Spirit. It causes love, joy, peace, Forbearance, which is a big fancy word for patience. I don't know why they don't just use that word. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So after reading that, we have to ask ourselves, do we want our prayers to be effective? Then we need them to be in the Spirit. As other verses tell us, The Spirit is our helper. The Spirit guides us. What reason do we have to not let the Spirit guide us? Do we think we know more than the Spirit does? Can we do better in the power of our flesh? Jesus said it was better that he died and left us so that we could receive the Spirit. Do you know what we look like if we use our flesh to guide our spiritual matters? 
We look like a baby mole who is not underground. So I was at a customer's house. <laughs> yeah. I was at a customer's house, and uh, I was getting ready to wash an outside air conditioning unit. And I was trying to get the hose, and he had, like, he was redoing all this siding, and he had, like, scaffolding and all kinds of stuff spread out. So I go to move some stuff, and this little baby mole comes at me like that. And, like, you know, what is the mole's biggest predator? Well, I'd probably say humans, but I don't know. And so it got scared, and it's like, what do I do? And it just run, just crawls right to that predator. And it just hit me as I was thinking. I was like, man, that's kind of like us when we're not in the spirit praying. We can't see these invisible forces, these dark forces against us. And we think we can just crawl away from them in in our own flesh. That's why we need the spirit to guide us. Because God can see all the things around us. He can see our steps. He knows what you're going to do today. He knows what you're going to do tomorrow. He knows what you're going to do forever. So without his guidance, we're like that cute, or the homeowner didn't think it was quite cute. We're like that mole. We are susceptible to predators. So why would we ever waste? let the Holy Spirit go to waste? I think the only logical answer for that is we just don't understand how valuable, important the Holy Spirit is. If we knew how important it is, we would constantly pray in the Spirit that He brings us, and that brings us to our next verse. So let's look at the rest of that main verse. Paul says, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. I think we should notice the emphasis on all occasions, that we should be praying about everything. That means we're getting our God-governed minds on every occasion. Saying, your will be done because it is better than ours. Or anything we could come up with. That means praying at home, at work, vacation, and yeah, even on your birthday. I also want you to notice, it says, pray prayers and requests. Did you know you can pray to God without requesting anything? You can spend two hours praying to God and telling him how thankful you are for all that he has done, and it wouldn't be enough time. In fact, when Jesus taught the disciples how to pray, he didn't start with a request, but a praise to God. The first line was, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You could go on for days with blessings that God has provided. Like how the earth has never failed to rotate. How God created gravity on this planet so we wouldn't just pop off like lottery balls. How God created plants to give off what we need to survive. And how we give off exactly what plants need to survive. Since time began, God is so faithful He makes it rain on the just and the unjust just so we can survive. Did you know before purified water and bottled water, humans still were able to drink water? (laughs) Let's face it. We are human, though, and we do need help from God. So we also 
need request prayers. Sometimes we need strength in our time of need. Do you ever pray and think, man, God just never heard me? Or, oh, well, maybe he doesn't care. Maybe you don't feel like the Spirit of God is changing your heart and the things in your life. Or maybe you don't feel like it's being effective enough. Or maybe you're just not witnessing the change in your life. Did you know that Jesus instructed us to pray and keep praying for the gifts that will help us change? In fact, there's a story Jesus teaches us to bug God to have our prayers answered. You can find this in Luke eleven five 5 through 13. And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to them at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I will say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened. Ask, and he will receive. And he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from his father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? You then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? First of all, I think that's crazy that somebody where Jesus is uh, hanging out is handing out serpents and scorpions instead of food. And if you give me a dozen of scorpions or a loaf of stone, we ain't friends anymore. <laughs> that's taking that joke just a little too far. But Jesus is telling us to bug God that we should keep asking and asking and asking until we receive what we need. We don't just say one prayer and say, oh, I've got faith, it's done. No, if we have faith, we have faith in what he just told us here. And we keep asking for it. Some people teach name it and claim it, but the Bible teaches us that prayer has to come through God's perfect plan. Jesus, the most perfect man, had his answer prayer answered with a no because it wasn't aligned with God's perfect will. In fact, that prayer, I don't have the verse up here, but that's when Jesus was in the garden. I want to say Gethsemane or something. Somebody else knows it, but it starts with a G. Uh, And Jesus asked God if he would make another way to have, instead of being punished for all the world's sin. I mean, think about it. If there was ever a person to get a 100% yes rate on prayer, it would be Jesus. But Jesus continued in obedience, even though his prayer wasn't answered the way he would have liked. 
This is a good example for us on how to react when our prayers aren't answered the way we want. Jesus does say in this parable, he wants to give us the good stuff. God wants to keep giving the best gift, his Holy Spirit. He knows what we need, and that's the Spirit. He knows truly what is good for us. Some people think that Christianity is about getting rid of sin, but it is more about being fulfilled in Christ. So full that you can't fit sin, and if you could, you wouldn't be hungry for sin, but instead the Spirit. We were created with this hunger in our hearts. If we just try to get rid of sinful desires, the desires will just keep coming back unless we fill our hearts with what we were made to fill it with. I do want to address um, this while we're on the subject of prayer and prayer in the spirit. There are some people who think praying in tongues is equivalent to saying I'm praying in the spirit. But the Bible teaches that there are certain times that we teach or that we can pray in tongues and times not to. Also in the Bible, it teaches us not everyone has the gift of tongues. So then when Paul is, isn't instructing us in this verse, in our main verse, um, that this is tongues, um, but he still has given people the gift of tongues. Praying in tongues is still a part of praying in the spirit for those who have that gift, though. It's a wonderful gift. Those who have it, it is useful for certain occasions. There are other occasions when you have had a really hard season or maybe even a hard life. You may have even gotten to the point where you can't even make out words. Paul speaks about this also. This can be found in Romans 8.26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Have you ever been there? I know I have. Where I was in a situation where my mind and heart was so sad, I couldn't even think through the situation. One where you cry out to God and don't even know what to pray. The Spirit can intervene for you and for God. Helping live an abundant life in God's perfect will in tough situations. Sometimes that includes sorrow. Isaiah tells us that Jesus was a man of many sorrows. So if you are or have been, you are not alone. Also, we are going through, when we are going through storms of life, you have your brothers and sisters in Christ who love you. We intercede in prayer for you, for good and prosperous prayers with blessings, which that brings us back to our main verse. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Paul is telling that us that for our protection, we should be praying for each other. I have heard a ton of times where I've asked a person if they want me to pray for them. 
And they say, I'm good. I already prayed. But our instruction is to pray for each other. Following Christ is about being a part of a group of people. Paul calls it the body of Christ. Christians aren't supposed to be lone rangers. We are supposed to be a group of people. God designed us to live in community, and this community is called the church. Often people call the building the church, but the building was made for the followers of Christ, and that is the church. We gather to spur each other in love. When something happens to one of us, it affects us all because we are a part of one body. That's some of the reason we pray for each other. Also, we don't want anyone hurt or led astray. Even Paul, at the end of this main verse, asked for prayer. He asked for help on the words that he speaks. By the way, it must have worked because he wrote a ton in the New Testament. After being locked up in all the tribulations, he also asked for courage. I think if one of the strongest Christians can be vulnerable enough to admit weakness, we should do the same thing and request prayer. We should pray in the Spirit for each other, being aware that as the days go on, more and more Christians leave the faith and get caught up in kinds of, all kinds of scandals. This makes you wonder if it would have changed if people were praying in the Spirit for those people. Here are a few examples in the Bible, where people prayed for each other and God protected his people because of prayer. In Acts 12, 5-7, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church earnestly prayed, or earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. That's got to be uncomfortable. I don't know how he slept. Bound with chains. And the sentry stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone on the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrist. And then if you go to the beginning of the chapter in Acts, James, uh, the brother of John, was also killed by Herod. Um, just like they were attempting to do to Peter. I did think about this, and I thought maybe James's church prayer night was on Wednesday, and he got locked up on Tuesday. I don't know. And then Peter's church service was before the night. But all joking aside, we need to budget every day time to pray for each other using the power of the Spirit because it can save someone's life. Here's another instance. Let's see what Jesus said to Peter. Luke 22, 31 through 32 reads, Simon, Simon, Satan asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Think of how many people heard the truth Because of Peter. Think of all the lives that were saved and all the good works because of the discipleship through Peter, which were done through Christ. 
I still get so much out of Peter's teachings. We also see him as a Norman, normal human that was so Christ-like as we read the history recorded in Acts. So in closing, let's pray often because you need your prayers and so do your brothers and sisters in Christ. So does the world. Also, we need to be in the realm of the Spirit for guidance, strength, protection, and effectiveness in our prayer lives. So I'm going to pray. Usually Derek does a priestly blessing, but I figured I'd just pick a way longer um, prayer to keep you guys in here longer. I'm going to pray uh, a prayer found in John 17. In agreement with Jesus, because this is his words. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see the glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, through the world, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them that I myself may be in them. All right, we are going to close this service with a song. Um, and then why they're going to, the worship band's going to come up here. And then why they're singing, if anybody wants to come up for prayer, um, we'll have a prayer team that we just assembled this morning to pray for you whether it would be for healing, mind, body, soul, whatever, or if you just need somebody to come and talk to you, we're here to pray for you.
Just go. 